As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Here's the Catch podcast. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, today's a big milestone for the 2021 49ers season. The initial 53-man roster is out, and Tim Kawakami, Matt Barrows, both with me today. Guys, initial is the key word here, not the final. We're probably going to see like 500 more of these rosters over the course of the year, but the first one is there for the 49ers. That's right, and uh, it's going to grow. According to Kyle Shanahan, it's actually a 69-man roster this year, so you got your 53 plus your 16-man practice squad, which they'll start building on Wednesday, And, and he's right. I mean, it was a uh, it was a literally a, a taxi squad last year for the 49ers with all those guys uh, kind of rotating in and out of practice squad to active roster. All the COVID stuff, all the injuries. Uh, you know, COVID is still a presence, not as big a presence this year. So uh, we might see that again, and they're probably going to have to use all 16 spots. There are only a couple, right, David? Josh Hokett. Um, I know Juwan Jennings was on the practice squad and then got on IR, but there were only a couple of guys who stayed on the practice squad all year. Most guys got a chance to to play uh, at least in a couple of games during the season. Yeah, and you know, a guy like Hokett, if Kyle Juszczyk goes down, the 49ers sure hope that they're going to get Hokett back on that practice squad because you, you use it as a, as a substitute call-up taxi squad now. It's not just a developmental thing. It literally is a depth portion of this football team. Yeah, I think definitely in an age of COVID and, you know, who, who knows what's going to go on. We've seen it hit other teams. But, you know, it's harder for other teams to sign players from another team, right, because you have to go through a different kind of protocol. Uh, and you, it's easier to keep guys because it's easier to keep them on your protocol. So I just think it's almost like it is. It is this huge new roster. They're going to be moving guys back and forth. And you just I don't know if there was as much a worry maybe about like losing some of these guys. I'm sure they you know. I'm sure some of this maneuvering was to make sure like whoever. What I mean, who who do you think they kept on the roster to you know that, who they're going to try to hide or put on the injured list that. They were worried that was going to. I mean, was Jalen was Jalen Hurd maybe one of them? I'm not sure. Was was Jamichael Hasty one of them? I'm just throwing these names out, but I think there was maybe a couple they were worried about. But I think the rest of it, 
because it takes so long to take another player, take a player from another building. Maybe they weren't as worried about that. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating this year, guys, just to see how this roster can survive the season given all the challenges that you guys uh, presented. Because obviously last year the 49ers entered with a deep roster and uh, it didn't really survive the challenges. They went 6-10, and 10, and it, it might have been a miracle that they did go 6-10 and 10, given all of the attrition. The good news for this team this year so far is that it looks like they're better uh, insulated, I guess, health-wise to to take care of some of these challenges. I mean, last year it just started bad, right, with Debo Samuel in the offseason breaking his foot. That seemed to lead to a cascading avalanche of of, of injuries. Debo could never get healthy, and th- just just this pall surrounded the team. This season, I know that Trey Lance broke his finger, a little microchip in, in the bone map, but the 49ers are at least insulated at the quarterback position entering week one, entering that Detroit week, and they hope that that's minor, and they hope that uh, the vibe of health flows with this team instead of the vibe that followed them through 2020. Yeah, I mean, uh, they haven't uh, lost any big-name players to this point, but they've lost a few. Uh, Jeff Wilson and Tarverius Moore in the spring, and then just recently, um, Sean Coleman um, did something to his triceps to land him on IR. I don't know if it's more than uh, a strain or a tear or what, but uh, that sounds pretty serious. And then Richie James, I don't know if he was going to make the roster or not, but it seemed like he was their, their number one punt returner. And, and all of a sudden, that, I mean, punt returner is not a major issue on a team, but um, it, it, it's a bit of a question mark now because every guy, Tim, who caught a punt or fielded a punt <laughs> in the preseason is now off this team. So uh, it's just Brandon Ayuk. And Run Muhammad away from those Sanu. punts, guys, next preseason. Do not catch a punt in the preseason for Kyle Shanahan because you're going to get cut. Uh, yeah, so who, yeah, who's going to do it? I mean, yeah, that's that's the way to lead off a monster podcast, right? Who are going to be the who's going to be the punt returner? But I think that is a question. Is it going to be Brandon Ayuk, which I think is a pretty large exposure for somebody who one is their number one receiver and two tends to get dinged up himself. Like, do you want to extend him like that? He's got a hamstring injury right now. Yep. Yeah, and, and look, but but look what they did with this initial roster. Again, this is where initial comes in key because we'll probably still see some maneuvering at this punt returner spot before the season opener. But today, when the goal was to, I think, protect the players that you needed to protect from poaching of other teams, the 49ers went big in that receiver room. And by going big, they released Travis Benjamin, who was an experienced punt returner, and they kept both Jawan Jennings and Jalen Hurd, two guys who can't return punts. So what does that mean? As the roster currently stands right now, if the 49ers were playing tomorrow, it, it would have to be Brandon Ayuk or Mohamed Sanu, who has some experience doing that, but they don't have a dedicated, specialized punt returner. They didn't fit him on this initial 53-man roster. So this tells me that there there might be some confidence in Ayuk being able to do it. But again, I think this is going to be a saga where the 49ers dip back into the practice squad. And that's why it's going to be fascinating to see who they add to the practice squad, where whether it be Simba Webster or, um, or Travis Benjamin or guys like that to be able to return those punts. Because, you know, as much as we say this isn't that important, this team lost a lot of efficiency on punt returns last year. It was a disaster, and 49ers fans only have to think back to 2011 to, to see a season really derailed by something not going well at that position. So it's important <laughs> that you get stability there. Too soon, David. Too soon for 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> Always too soon. Always too soon for Kyle Williams. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I think the punt returner is not on this roster. That's what I think on this initial 53. Uh, I, I just don't think you can go, okay, Brandon, now you, you go out there. You know what? That hamstring's not feeling good on Thursday before the Sunday game. Eh, let's go with, you know, I, I I, I know some coaches don't put a lot of personnel stock in that, and clearly this team hasn't. This, this team hasn't for a while. I don't think you can be that blase about it. I think you need you need someone that you can just put back there. I mean, that's what they've done, you know, Trent Taylor or whatever. I mean, they haven't put a lot back there, but they put somebody who can catch the ball and not fumble and not run backwards 15 yards. And I don't see that person on this roster who they could, you know, I think Ayuk would be good at it, but I, I don't think you want to expose them to that. And again, and, you're not sure how many, how many games he's going to play. Is he, is he going to play 15? Is he going to play 13? You don't really know. And then th- you want, you don't want to stress him at that. Then you might lose him for more games and you, that's your number one receiver. I, I just don't think they're, they're punting returners on this. Team. I was going to say, they haven't emphasized it for a while. And the one thing that they haven't had for a while, I think the longest uh, drought in the NFL is a, is a punt return touchdown. I know. I know. David knows the answer to this, but Tim, do you know the last guy Ted who returned Ginn one? Junior. There Ted Ginn you go. Oh, very, very good. I've, very co- good. I've covered this team for a while. I've covered this. Do team. you know the game? <laughs> do you remember the game? Uh, did he return two of them in that opening game? Of yes. The Harbaugh era was that? Yeah, was that yes. Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Seattle, yeah. Seattle candlestick. Yep. That's good. No, I just remember that because like, he returned two of them. It was Harbaugh's first game? It was like, oh my god, things things are going to be a little different here. That was a big deal that year. I mean, special teams were a big part of that team's formula for success. That was the Blake Costanzo, uh, all those guys uh, on the on the coverage units, and you had Ted Ginn returning on on the uh, the punts. So. Um, you know, it goes hand in hand with a good defense. You're going to be forcing a lot of punts, ostensibly, um, but you don't have anybody. I mean, Tim's right. Maybe the maybe the idea is you try to block them all, and you don't have anybody <laughs> back to that. That way, they can't fumble them, uh, which was a, a problem last year. But uh, they they don't seem to have a, a big answer for that right now. Well, Mohamed Sanu had ten in 2019 for Atlanta, New England, and four in Detroit last year. If we're just looking. You know, it, it, a guy that can just catch it and not give you any pop, but but just keep it stable. Maybe maybe he's the stopgap. Just tossing it out there in case they don't want to bring in an extra guy for any particular game. Uh, but that's it. That, that's the only guy with experience outside of Ayuk on this roster at punt returning. Yeah, and then if that guy gets dinged, and then you know you keep you know like that happens, right? That that like in the, you could have said if they kept one of those other guys. That Sanu is their backup. Like, okay, if all things, you know, happen terribly, you know, on September 12th in Detroit, and you lose a guy, you can just put a guy back there. Well, what if they lose Sanu? And <laughs> then who are they putting back there? Like, it, it just, the idea that everybody who returned a punt or caught a punt in the preseason is gone, 
I think is a little odd. But again, it's a punt returner. Maybe it won't cost them. It has cost teams in the past. Um, but I'm more shocked by anything that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't cut today. That that you know, <laughs> stunning to me. Stunned. Yeah. Uh, and it just is something that that seems to be uh, building and building that they were ready to, to eject Jimmy Garoppolo's 24.1 million dollar contract. We don't have to go long on this. It's my little thing. I got into it with Florio. I know David, you've been knocking back people on this one, but it is just fascinating the the, the outside perception of how the 49ers are done with Garoppolo. And I can get, I can understand it, right? They they trade three number one draft picks for a guy. Clearly, they're ready to move on from. Him, but they, the 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 misunderstanding of the timeline, the misunderstanding of the the still the you know I think the appreciation this team has, and certainly maybe more a better stronger word than that in the locker room for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they just aren't going to dump Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not what this was about. This was about drafting a guy who played one college game in in, in more than a year. If he was ready, he was ready. If he wasn't, they're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo there. I just, I just, am, I am amused by the outside perception that this team was done with Jimmy Garoppolo when that has not been the case at all. Especially when Kyle uh, Shanahan has practically been telling us exactly how he's going to use these guys, uh, especially early in the season. And that that national perception, I can only imagine it comes from how people get their their information nowadays. It's like. You know, Trey Lance has had the the bigger, uh, more explosive plays, and those are the ones that I, I assume do better on social media, on Twitter. Uh, you see the little clips and stuff like that, and and people just think that that is uh, the the whole narrative there. And really, obviously, it's more nuanced than that. But um, he had a, a big first week of training camp, but after that, I mean, I think it's been Jimmy Garoppolo has been the the more consistent, certainly, of the two players. Uh, and like I said, everything out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth from that point forth has kind of pointed to Garoppolo getting the lion's share, getting the start, as much, you know, as, as unimportant as that really is against the Lions and probably the, the Eagles as well. We just have to follow the money. Uh, you know, guys know I love the salary cap, and I think it's most useful to predict roster moves based on, on you know, how a team acts financially. You know, everybody says salary cap is overrated. Obviously, teams can, can maneuver around it when they have uh, the capital to spend, you know, and invest in their team right away with big signing bonuses. But I think that's besides the point. I think that the usefulness of the salary cap, especially in the 49ers situation here, and the study of it is that we've been left a series of clues about how they expect to man this 2020 on roster. And if they really weren't serious about keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, then they wouldn't have bent over backwards through like 25 other contracts on this team to make it work. They barely fit it in. I mean, I just did the numbers right now. This 53-man roster is costing the 49ers, I think, $196.4 million, which is exactly $2 million under their adjusted cap. So they barely, barely fit in this 53-man roster with Garoppolo there, and it took a lot of work from Parag Marathe and, and everybody around. So they're not just doing this for fun. They, they really wanted to have Garoppolo there as insurance to Trey Lance, and Trey Lance is insurance to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that you have... Two quarterbacks who are limited in different ways, right? Trey Lance is limited by the fact that he only threw 300 passes in college and almost all of them came two years ago. Jimmy Garoppolo is limited by the fact that he's been injured, you know, and two seasons have been lost 
due to these injuries in 2018 and 2020. And I don't think that he can quite do everything that Kyle Shanahan wants as far as the run game goes because he's obviously not a quote-unquote mobile quarterback. And he probably can't make some of the throws with the velocity that Kyle Shanahan wants to run an optimal Shanahan offense. So, But he still brings so much efficiency to the table when he's healthy, and Lance brings so much potential upside to the table even when he's not developed that when you put these two together, you can see why the 49ers bent over backwards to get both of these guys on the roster this season. And we finally saw that come to fruition against the Raiders. I mean, Tim, we were all watching this. Two-quarterback system, run to efficiency. I think that Shanahan can mix and match these guys as the season progresses, works Lance in, in a way that, that gives the 49ers you know, an optimal edge at certain at certain situations. Yeah, I don't think it can quite be as frantic as it was. Maybe it can. I mean, at times it can. But I, I don't think you really want to keep doing it. It was fun to watch. I mean, I, I wrote how fun it was. It was fun for the players. It was fun for us. It was fun for the fans. Like, well, who's out there? Like, you know, I, I was sitting next to Barry. He's like, five is in. Like, five? Who's five? Wait a minute. That's 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 the other quarterback. What the hell's he doing? Uh, and again, you might catch a team unaware at some point. Maybe not that it's on film, but. Now, I think it's going to be packages. I think it's, you know, it's it's just going to be, okay, on third and one, I really like this. So that's when we're going to get Lance out there. Boom. And then we're going to keep him in there for first and 10. And then we're going to take him out again. And like it's going to be a little bit more structured with them. Not, I mean, I think he tried to do it as frantic as possible where they didn't know who was coming and who wasn't coming. Just to make sure they're ready for the wildest scenario possible. And also make sure that defenses are worried about it, clearly. You're not going to have to, you know, who cares if the Lions are prepared for it or not. You're going to should be able to beat them no matter what. But just get it on film, make the Seahawks and the Rams and the Cardinals kind of gulp a little bit. But I think they can do it. Uh, clearly, if they can do it at that speed, even in a preseason game, it was at a, it was pretty remarkable just to see that happen. Uh, it, just to shuffle them out like wide receivers. Uh, I think that they can do it in, in a much more structured way, red zone, whatever. Like we can. The, the funny thing is they do it and then what it's supposed to be – Trey Lance to be running the ball in, right? The first time is Jimmy Garoppolo on, 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 on the goal line. So it's, it's going to be fun to see Kyle mix and match. I think they're ready for it. I think it might be a little less frenetic than we saw it. And, and, you know, I think also they want to see Lance succeed. If Lance succeeds, he's really good. Garoppolo has a couple bad throws in a game. I think we might just see Lance like finish the game. I, I, I think that's a possibility. Maybe not right away. Clearly, after the chip finger, you know, that's going to put him back a little bit. But I think you might see that. I mean, Barris, do you think that could be like Lance gets in, scores a touchdown in the red zone, looks good in, in, in spot play the next series, and then all of a sudden we're seeing, you know, Trey Lance start the third quarter and he just plays the rest of the way? Well, I think if they got a big lead, they could do that. I mean, uh, Shanahan's been all about uh, reps for, for Trey Lance. That was the big missing element. That, that's what gave them the most pause about him that uh, he only had something like 325 pass attempts in college, which was by far the, the lowest among the, the, the big quarterbacks that were taken there. Um, I, I, frankly, I don't know what the, the pattern is going to be. And, and I think that Kyle Shanahan is obviously purposely keeping that in his breast pocket because um, it, it's such a big question for the Lions and, and for the Eagles. And, and you're right. I mean, there was a, a frenetic pace about it. Um, you know, I was watching the, the receivers come in. Okay, there's 81, there's 15, there's five. And he kind of got <laughs> lost in the in the shuffle there. You know, he's, he's in with, you know, because that's what Shanahan does. I mean, he, he can uh, uh, rotate in and out big packages. And when the, the quarterback is among that, and, and Garoppolo was talking about this afterwards. He was saying that the, the defense was really 
unsettled. They were still calling the plays out when uh, when the 49ers were, were at the line of scrimmage. They were rattled a bit. Yes, it's the uh, the Raiders' uh, second and third stringers at that point, and no, they didn't do any prep for it. But when you've got two quarterbacks as, as different as they are, um, and, and when you're so sort of uh, paranoid, I think, as a defense about the read option and, and how different you have to react and you have to play things, it's a real advantage uh, to have – uh, two different guys that can, uh, you know, one of them does that, and one of them does the opposite. Although, as you noted, it was Jimmy Garoppolo barreling in on that type of play yeah. on uh, on that first touchdown. Wasn't it third and goal from the ones like that would be a yeah, play. It wasn't, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't read option. It was a, no, a rollout still, like, option. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't third and third and goal from the one be the time exactly. you do play Trey Lance? And it was like they subbed Jimmy in on third and one, third and goal for the one. It's interesting. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Exactly to your point, Tim. Shanahan was trying to make it as frenetic as possible, not because he was playing the the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders, but because he was already playing the Detroit Lions. So this was for the regular season opponents to start having some headaches and some nightmares as far as preparation goes for the 49ers. So he wanted to give it no rhyme or reason. You're exactly right. There will be rhyme or reason. I personally believe that it's going to go along the lines of red zone versus middle of the field generally with Trey Lance getting increasing action on high leverage downs. And I consider that to be second and two, second and three. I mean, that, that, that has awesome potential for the 49ers in the middle of the field. If Trey can potentially run for a first down, bring a safety linebacker, whoever in, but then he can un- unleash a you know cannon downfield 60 yards. That's where you love to use him, right? When you have that leverage near the middle of the field. But I think mainly at the start, it's going to happen where Trey Lance was actually better than Jimmy Garoppolo during training camp. And that was in the red zone. And I think that Kyle throwing Jimmy back in on that third and one was Kyle saying, uh, you guys better get ready for some unpredictability with this. And I thought it was symbolically perfect. I mean, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo score a touchdown on a run before Trey Lance did. And then Lance got his own later on. But if there was a play that was symbolic of some of the confusion, some of the innovation that's coming. And hey, the 49ers have done this before in their history. DeBerg, Montana, uh, you know, Montana and Young. I mean, Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. I mean, this has happened before, but I don't know if it's happened with a coach like like Kyle Shanahan. I think that he's thinking a little bit differently. Bill Walsh was doing it back in 88 and 89 to torture both of his quarterbacks, right? He, he, he wanted to get the most out of both of them. I think there's an element out of it from Kyle Shanahan here, but I think he genuinely believes that he's going to try to mix and match the skill set of of Garoppolo and and Lance to, to to try to get an edge on opposing defenses, and most of that delineation will come in the red zone, in my opinion. You know, this puts the most pressure on. I wrote I, I, on Shanahan, like that's why teams don't do it. The play call is tough. Like you got to get that thing out because you're switching the quarterback, so the quarterback has to run out there and give the play to the huddle. So you better come up with it fast. You better have the play almost immediately in your head. 
Uh, Barrow, Sue and I have covered some 49ers offensive coordinators who would not have been able to do that. Let's just put it that way. Who were barely were able to get it out just in time <laughs> on the 35-second clock. So, yeah. uh, oh, it, I, I'm thinking of one in particular. Who, <laughs> yeah. In Seattle. Okay, let's or, go with Red 37. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so, but, you know, Kyle so obviously is up to it. I mean, he, he loves that kind of stuff. He's a rapid-fire guy. Uh, he plans it out, but I was laughing like that. That play has to get out so quickly, or else you're going to get five, four, three, two, one. And if you're in Seattle, you're dead. That's just it's a death knell for an offense. He's fast enough, and 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 they can do it like this. And it will be fascinating. And you know, teams will be thinking one quarterback's in, the other one comes in. They're they're, they're confused about exactly how they play it. That's what Kyle and, and with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and and the other thing I got out of this. We all know that Kyle likes – they're going to run the ball, man. They are going to run the ball. That is what he believes in, and now he's got all these different angles to attack him with with, with Lance out there. I just – and that's like – I just think they're going to load up with tailbacks. I I was – we'll we'll get back to the cuts, but I was surprised Wayne Gallman didn't make it. But I think that's even more like – Hasty's the better runner. They're just going to run. Like they're going to line up with their four running backs, and they're going to mix and match them too, and they're going to come at you. Uh, and you know what? Blitz pickup, that's important, but maybe not so much when you're running the ball 42 times for 195 yards or whatever it's going to be. I really think Kyle's into that. Look at their wide receiver core. Yep. I mean, they're practically running backs there, too. I mean, you've got Jalen Hurd is huge. Um, Jawan Jennings is huge. Uh, Debo Samuel runs over people. Muhammad Sanu runs the same way. We haven't really gotten a look at that, but he, he's a violent runner with a ball in his hands, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, I thought that that uh, Trey Lance touchdown, the, the one that he ran in, was indicative too because you had Jalen Hurd going in motion uh, across the backfield. You had Trey Sermon back there. I think if he had hand, handed the ball off to either of those guys, it would have been a touchdown too. He kept it, and, and it was an easy touchdown. But um, you've got three guys in the backfield there that can run the ball in. I mean, that's uh, – I think you're absolutely right. And you, we go back to their draft and with Aaron Banks, and I know that he hasn't worked out as quickly as they like. But this this seems more like a, um, a, a really sort of uh, smash-mouth, blue-collar version of the Kyle Shanahan offense. I mean, it's it's not – uh, greatest show on turf uh, by any stretch. In, in fact, you could say that they even are lacking a little bit of speed at wideout. Uh, but uh, they have they have heft, David, like they've never had before. And you know what they're lacking and what plays right into both of your points? They are lacking offensive line depth. That is the weakness on this roster. The starting five looks okay, right? They made the investment in Trent Williams. They made the investment in Mac, but Tom Compton made this football team. Yeah, that's surprising me. That's tough. He's a below average guard. You can't sugarcoat it. Jalen Moore made the team, did good stuff in the preseason. I get it, but he's still a fifth round pick and he's your swing tackle right now. Rookie. It makes you queasy. We saw Aaron Banks. He was bad in his first outing and he hasn't had a chance to practice because he got hurt. He hurt his shoulder after that. So if you just look at this offensive line and you realize that Mac is going to be 36, you realize that Trent Williams is on the wrong side of 30. 
30. This is a line that's going to need depth. It's going to need some of those guys behind the starting five to contribute. And if it gets to that, which it almost certainly will at some point, because we saw how that 2019 season worked, you have to shield the offensive line. You can't make your quarterback drop back 30 times a game because they're going to get killed. They're going to break their finger. I mean, you saw Trey Lance the other day already. It's already an issue for the 49ers. And I know it wasn't the regular season. I know he wasn't behind the ones on that series. But the way that Shanahan has consistently been able to mask a line that isn't great in pass protection has been by accentuating their strengths and running it down defense's throat. So now he has Lance. Now he has all those weapons on the outside that Matt talked about. If you can play the game on your terms, you can cover up this line disadvantage as long as possible. You know, speaking of the line, there's a lot of pressure, guys, on Aaron Banks, that second round pick, to show something this year. Because if he doesn't, there's no depth here. It's paper thin. And that's my biggest concern about this team. If there's something that's going to derail the 49ers, I'll call it right now. It's the offensive line. They have invested way too much in these two quarterbacks to not protect them. And right now, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'd be really nervous about that line. I'll just say the most irreplaceable player on the team. I don't think it's close right now. Trent Williams. Yeah, Trent Williams. I don't think it's close. The money they've invested is immense. And they've got two quarterbacks, so either one of them can probably play. They don't have another left tackle. It would be Jalen Moore probably, or it would be a very difficult thing for them if Trent Williams, and he might miss a couple. I mean, everybody might miss a couple games in, in, in pro football, but they have nobody who can play that position against the big teams. They just don't. And they got him and he's fantastic. It, it's just the biggest drop off I can think of from one position, one obviously key position. I mean, Bosa, obviously he's so good, but the defense was pretty good without Bosa. I mean, again, it's not the same without him, but the defense was okay with him last season. I don't know how this team would operate really well without Trent Williams. Especially now, since you have two quarterbacks, so if one of the quarterbacks goes down, at least you're not going to Nick Mullins, right? Yep, yep. So now that now that that's the case, I think Garoppolo was the most important player last year because you saw what happened when yep. he went down. But this year, you're absolutely right. You, you've insulated quarterback, but you have an insulated offensive line. And I know they tried. You know, it's not for a lack of trying. They, they spent the second rounder on Banks. The problem is that their draft record, these linemen, isn't good right now. Um, and, and Banks, you know, I'm not going to pass judgment yet. It's, it's too soon. I get it. But they need something from him this year. He only kept eight offensive linemen. Uh, Shanahan had talked about keeping nine. So you wonder whether uh, an offensive lineman is going to be put in that Maurice Hurst spot. Uh, Hurst made the initial roster. He's probably going to go on IR because he's got that high ankle sprain that's going to still require another three weeks or so for him to get back on the field. The issue is that, you know, the 49ers issue on the offensive line is every team's issue. I mean, offensive line is not a a good position. It's not a deep position around the league for whatever reason, maybe because colleges aren't playing a a pro style of, of offense and these guys just aren't uh, getting prepared for the game. But I mean, they could bring back Jake Brendel, um, and, and he'd be a nice addition because he plays uh, center and he plays guard. But it's, it's Jake Brendel. I mean, he's not going yeah. yeah. to change really the tenor of your line that much. So I, I think it's something that every team is dealing with. But, but you're right. I mean, you know, uh, offensive line, um, you know, was the one position group that, that mainly stayed intact. I know they had all sorts of issues at, at center, uh, from the get-go uh, this year, but uh, you know, e- even with that, they were struggling, and uh, it-, it doesn't look a lot different than last year's line or the, the year before when-, when Mike Person struggled at right guard against Chris Jones in, in the Super Bowl. You've got, you know, basically uh, another kind of gap, you know, uh, a-, a guy who's a fill-in in, in Brunskill there, and then the guy who would come in after that is, is Tom Compton. 
uh, who, who's basically another version of Mike Person, uh, sort of a, a journeyman type of guard that the 49ers have picked up. And look what happened to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl when their offensive line frayed. Now, you know, that could happen to anybody. That, that could absolutely happen to anybody. But yeah, I think if there is a warning spot for this team, it's on the offensive line. And I think the offense is, you know, is built to run. It's built to be multiple. But none of that matters if you can't block anybody. You can't block Aaron Donald. You know, it, it becomes an issue. Uh, but I'll, I'll switch to the other one. I, I'm just more and more convinced, maybe because D'Amico Ryans has convinced me or whatever. I, I think the defense is going to be really good this year. I think it's going to be like, if this team's going to run the ball and play defense. It's not what 49er fans always want to hear. <laughs> they they want to hear about throwing the ball 50 times and lighting the, lighting the sky up with fireworks. I think that defense is going to be close to 2019. At times, it's going to look better. Uh, probably not going to be as good, but it's going to look really good. And I think they're going to run the ball. I think it's going to be a lot like the 2019 playoffs. I think that's Shanahan wants to get back to that, and I think they might be close to it. Yeah, well, you have to see Javon Kinlaw take that next step to, yeah. to at least approximate some of the impact that DeForest Buckner brought that 2019 team. But that being said, you have more depth in that defensive tackle yeah. room that that 2019 team did. You might have more edge depth after they picked up Arden Key, after he's worked with Chris Kosarek, obviously Sansom Ebucom's a good fit. And, you know, now it's almost treated as a foregone conclusion, but it's almost a miracle for the 49ers that Bosa seems to be playing and read or ready to play just as well as he did pre-injury, and D. Ford is back. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. You get shades of 2019 from that defensive line. You just have to have Kinlaw take that next step, and then you hope that Jason Verrett delivers the kind of season that Richard Sherman did in 2019 at cornerback. They're the same age. Uh, Verrett is the age that Sherman was back in, the, in that season. and They had trouble at the opposite corner spot that year. Remember Emmanuel Mosley and Akella Witherspoon filtered back and forth, but the pass rush was just so overpowering that it made that issue moot a lot of the time. And I really do think, Matt, that Emmanuel Mosley has come into camp looking a lot more confident than he did last year. For me, that cornerback position, it, it, the depth is sketchy because the two rookies still look like rookies too often to me, Diamador Lenore and, and Ambry Thomas. I think if Verrett and Mosley and Kwan Williams stay healthy, the 49ers are really formidable in the secondary. The problem is that you can almost count on at least an injury or two from, from guys that are mostly 30 or above, with the exception of Emmanuel Mosley. So you're going to have to have somebody deliver some quality snaps beyond that. So you have to hope that Lenore or Thomas comes along fast. And for that reason, the 49ers carried Devontae Harris on their 53-man roster instead of Dante Johnson. They, they, they see Devontae Harris as a surprising insurance option for this team. Yeah, they, they put a lot of pressure on Corey Unlin, who's basically their, their cornerbacks coach, to get these, these younger guys coached up. And I, and I think he's done a good job, uh, particularly with Diamador Lenore. I mean, he started out... Uh, behind Ambry Thomas back in the in the spring and early training camp, and, and I think he's he's passed him now. Um, he, he's he's practicing at two spots, in fact, uh, nickel cornerback and, and the outside. So you're right. I think that uh, that tutelage uh, continues, and they have to get one of these guys going. I, I think the hope is that Tim's right that the defensive line sort of takes care of a lot of issues for this team if there are any in that in that back end group. And you guys are out there at training camp. Uh, when when you walk around that field, there's one position group that just jumps out to you, uh, jumps out to your ears, jumps out to your eyes. 
Uh, they've got personality. They've got energy, and it's the defensive line. They kept eleven guys. Yes, uh, one of them is going to go on IR, but um, you know that that's sort of going to be the the personality of this defense. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be aggressive. It's going to be attacking. I think there are guys on that unit that do have big personalities. I mean, you just see it with with Zach Kerr and uh, D Ford and, and Nick Bosa already have it. DJ Jones. It's the type of um, sort of snowball thing when when the defense is playing well, uh, you just get a, an energy level, an excitement level that sort of bleeds onto everybody else. And and I, I think the the 49ers are are capable of that. And they've got Jared Goff and sort of the the sights of their you know the, the rifle. <laughs> poor Jared Goff. I know. Poor, so he's going to get <laughs> he's going to get avalanched. I think this this opening week. You know by what this though? Talented line. Fred Warner is better than he was in 2019. Yes, yeah, he's more aggressive too. No, no question. No so question. No question. The advanced stats yielded out. It's staggering to me. He had like a 14 percent missed tackle rate in 2019. So his weakness was the tackling. It's near league best now. It's like three or four percent. Yep. So I mean, just that, and you know, his anticipation is going to be better. We shouldn't just assume that these players are static. I, the, I mean, Trent Williams came out and said that Nick Bosa is better now. We're going to have to see it to believe it, obviously, because he's coming off an ACL. But if you take that at face value, if you take the fact that Javon Kinlaw should be better than you know than, than, than he was last year at face value, saying some Ebucom should be better than he was with the Rams, but Fred Warner is definitely better. There's a chance, Tim. I, I think, you know, you've been saying it. This defense reminds you of 2019. There's a yep. chance they blaze their own trail here in 2021 and, and put down a special performance. That's one of the reasons that you guys know I like training camp. I try to get there as much as possible. You go there for that. Like, who's setting the line of scrimmage? Who's the one that looks – what unit looks confident? What unit looks like they're under fire? And especially that last week. When Bosa and Ford were practicing, you know, not every down, but, you know, half the downs were the ones, whatever it was. It was that defensive line was just everywhere in every play. Even when Garoppolo got a throw off with the ones, it was somebody was right in him. It was under pressure. He's putting the ball up in the air because he just has to guess where the guy's going to be because of the pace is quickened up. And it was because that defensive line was – and that's what happened in 2019. That's exactly the, the body language I saw and felt in 2019. Last season was weird. You know, it was that weird COVID and you weren't even sure. And, you know, it just – it was hard to tell what they were going to be with everybody getting hurt too. That's what I felt in 2019. And I, and, and I think Nick Bose is just one of those guys where he steps onto the field and everybody knows he's the best guy on the field. It's just that's how good he is. There aren't many guys like that. And I, you know, maybe like Willis was like that for, for the 49ers. Alden Smith was like that. And like, there just aren't that many guys. And Bosa shows up and everything's different. They, they, I mean, they were fine with all the other guys when they were practicing the ones and, and, and Bosa wasn't. He walks on that field and it's the whole thing's like it, the field tilts his way. And he was like, and he showed that when he's played the football games. That's it's just a, a remarkable player. So we'll see. I I just don't think you know we've and I've what everything I've written has been about the quarterback basically, and everybody has to write about the quarterback. It is a fascinating thing. I think the defense is going to be the main story of the story of just of how, why they're good. If they're really good, it's going to be because of the defense and everything else will kind of fit in place. 
but the defense is going to lead the way. I think D'Amico Ryan's obviously, you know, he's he's going to be a major figure in that, and I, I've been impressed with him so far. Yeah, I think he wants a, an aggre- a more aggressive uh, unit than than even what that Salah was putting out there in in 2019. Uh, more more blitzing, more press coverage. I mean, that's what Jason Barrett does really well, and that's why they drafted those two guys to sort of play that way. So. Um, it, it, it might be more uh, kind of feast or, or famine. There might be more bigger plays because they are sending so many guys. They are playing press coverage. But when it, when it rolls in their, in their way, it's really going to roll, roll big. Um, I just wanted to, when you were talking about Patrick Willis, I was thinking, you know, those Jim Harbaugh teams were really talented, but their talent was in interesting spots. I mean, they it weren't in impact positions. I mean, uh, obviously, linebacker is an impact position, but you could argue that their two most talented guys for a while there were were Willis and, and Vernon Davis. And, and that's sort of what the big experiment is here with the 49ers. They want the impact to be on the edge with Bosa. They want it to be at quarterback uh, at with Trey Lance. Uh, those are the, the two positions that they value the most. And Left tackle, too. And left tackle, too. And they're, and they're paying the most, too. Um, but uh, it's 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 quite telling that they've had two top three picks in the last three years, and they've used it on a defensive end and a quarterback. Yep. Yeah. And you know we'll see how the quarterback thing shapes out. I, I have some faith in Shane Hand. He's going to figure it out. You know, I believe that Lance is going to be the starter at some point uh, this season, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's a TBA, but uh, I, I do think the story this this season, when we're writing it, whenever we're writing it in January 2022. Is going to be like okay. This is how the defense framed this season, and then maybe what we're going to be talking about, D'Amico Ryan's, is as a future head coach. I mean, I think that's in the cards too. I mean, we saw what happened with Sala, and D'Amico Ryan's comes in with a higher profile and a way higher profile than Sala had when he was starting, uh, and, and with, with greater possibilities. Uh, do you guys see anything like any uh, roster spot, any weird little thing that you're expecting in the next day or so? I mean, is there any like holes that they've got to fill? Uh, that they think they're going to backfill tomorrow and the next day. Any free, you know, somebody they can grab. Like, hey, this is the spot where they really need it. Well, one, we need to monitor Trey Lance's health because it is a fracture, right? A chip is a fracture, and that can last longer than seven days. So, if that does, obviously the 49ers have to move uh, Sudfeld up from the practice squad or, or you know, do whatever they need to to insulate quarterback. But that's a wait and see kind of thing. There will be a move coming because Maurice Hurst is going to go to injured reserve. They just they, they brought him on so he can come back this year to the 53-man roster. But he, he's going to go to IR, and it's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers use that final spot. I mean, they could use it on the return specialist that we talked about, or they could use it on another offensive lineman to insulate themselves there. Um, that, that's going to be fascinating to me. So, uh, you know, th- those are the two things that I'll be watching closely. How about you, Matt? Well, yeah, I mean, um, punt returner. I mean, uh, we've talked about that. That could be one of the, the spots that they fill. And then you're, you're right, I think offensive line. I mean, uh, if, if you're going to go deep at any spot, Use that Maurice Hurst uh, spot to to fill it in. That that would be the the one that I do. Uh, the the uh, chip fracture is interesting. I I talked to an orthopedic surgeon just before uh, we started this podcast, and he said anytime there's any sort of fracture, anytime a bone is dislodged, you're talking four weeks, four to six weeks at at minimum. So uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what a chip fracture is. But uh, if it's seven days, that, that's probably not the, the correct term for it because he'd never heard of that. And he's, 
a uh, an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. What does he uh, know? What does he know? So well, yeah, David, David's absolutely right. Seven days that that seemed very convenient. Um, uh, we'll have to see if uh, Trey Lance is indeed in practice on that Monday because I th- I think that you know once you start missing sort of lions centric lions oriented practices then you know this whole mix and match thing uh, I, I think that starts to to go down the number of, of snaps that he can realistically take part in. So uh, very, uh, we, we probably underplayed it. I mean, this is the the number three overall pick who's got a chip fracture in his the index finger of his throwing hand. So uh, that, that's something uh, absolutely to keep an eye on these these, these upcoming days. Uh, I thought it was one of his fingers. One of them. One, one, one of the five. five. Yeah, well, he was, he was grabbing <laughs> that finger afterwards. The defensiveness from Shanahan made you wonder a little bit. Somebody yeah. asked him which finger it was, and he says, I'm not going to tell you. It's one of the five. And you know, it was one of those By really the way, terse... that wasn't on the transcript. I noticed that. Like, like I didn't see that on the transcript. So maybe they were being a little weird and spooky about this. We shall see. We shall see. Hey, I want to quickly, since this is a joint show, TK show, and here's the catch. Uh, let's quickly give me a quick couple favorite TV shows out of you guys. I just want to make it feel like a TK show. I keep watching Succession over mm. and over again, and uh, the new the season's third, coming. Yeah, third third season is starting in October, so we still got uh, a month and a little bit to go here. But uh, to me, that's been the best show on TV the last. I mean, it's it's dark comedy, it's black comedy, it's really really uh adult comedy sometimes but it's so <laughs> funny it's so sharp and and witty uh that uh it, it's a must watch david lombardi i don't watch too much tv but my favorite show i think the greatest show of all time is breaking bad and i recently i know i'm way behind i got into breaking bad's kind of successor ozark i feel ozark is has okay. a lot of similar themes as as breaking bad and i can't wait i'm all caught up now and i can't wait for the next season i just like the darkness i will give two quick ones the hundred foot wave have you seen this on hbo HBO uh, about these, you know, huge wave surfers going to Portugal of all places to find this place and how they started this kind of uh, culture there, this scene there. It's fascinating. I, I love that kind of uh, unique artistry of so individual going against literally the the, the, the ocean. And, and 1971, have you seen that on Netflix? A documentary series on the mu- the way the music changed the world. It's all these things happening in 1971. Marvin Gaye, the Who, whatever. You know, the, the Beatles just had broken up and John Lennon recording Imagine. It has a great, great archival video and sound. So those are my two. That's pretty good. Have you seen uh, Riding Giants? That's also about uh, big wave surfing. I think I, I think have. If I, did, yeah, if I Yeah, I don't think I did. I know I've seen references to it. I've seen another one about that, that group of surfers from Hawaii. Have you seen that one? Like they all came together and kind of competed against each other. And Kelly Slater's part of it. Uh, I think that's another one. Uh, but... It's fascinating. I mean, you know, and just watching these waves crash down is, is very therapeutic, too. It's like it just calms you watching these surfs and they're doing these, you know, death defying stuff. So that that gets your adrenaline, clearly. But just the images of these and the scene in this portal is against this ancient lighthouse. And you see these 70 foot waves come crashing down. There's a little person and it's against this lighthouse, this, you know, this old brick, whatever it is, lighthouse. Uh the imagery is fantastic. Uh, and these surfers are, you know, they're just, they're unbelievable. You know, the way they think is very, very unique. So yeah. I would recommend that one. 
No, no, awesome. I'm definitely going to watch that. That's definitely my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> check these out. <laughs> had, to, had to do it just to make it feel. But we have the, the combo podcast, but these are always good. Uh, I always appreciate them. So we will do it again, guys. All right. Thanks, Tim, for the TK show. And for Here's the Catch, another joint little episode here. These are always fun. Hope to do it again soon. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you guys.